Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new Filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your Filtry air filters today at Filtry.com. Let's clear the air. Hello and welcome to another episode of the GC Sunscast, the longest running sun show on the interwebs. I'm your host Shane and before we get into tonight's show, which is going to be a big show, and before I welcome tonight's special guest, I want to thank our Patreon sponsors, Dale Snelling, Paul Vosti, Robbie Fiorini, Brody Burgess, Kate Kelland, Tom Kim and Tim. Thank you guys so much for your Patreon support. You can join our Patreon sponsors at patreon.com forward slash GC Sunscast. Donate there and help the GC Sunscast. Uh, You can also like and subscribe, review the show over at YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, wherever you like to get your podcasts from. But enough of that now, enough of the admin. Let's jump into the footy talk and I welcome tonight's guest, uh, Jordan. Welcome to the show, Jordan. Thank you so much, Shane. I really appreciate you having me on the show and I'm yeah, looking forward to having a chat. No worries. Thank you for coming on. And for those of you, those of you listening who aren't familiar with who Jordan is exactly, well, I don't know if you've noticed something this year, but there's a loud sound coming from behind the goals at most Suns games, especially the away games, and that is the sound of a drum, and the person beating that drum is my guest, Jordan. So tell, let's start by telling us a bit about the drum, and what was the inspiration that started you taking that to, to games and, and tearing up a storm? Yeah, absolutely, Shane. So... um. I guess, you know, first of all, my inspiration to start using the drum was mainly to drown out the loud and hostile crowds here in Victoria um, and to show the players that, you know, they have strong, passionate support here in Victoria. Because I did notice that in the years gone by, um, the players would start to drop their heads once the home crowd would roar after a goal had been kicked. Um, You know, I could see it was getting into their head and they must have felt like they had no support because we're such a small fan base down here. And... um, but it was demoralising, so I thought, you know what, I'm going to create some atmosphere and start bringing my drum to the games and get behind the players. And um, I just want to state as well, Shane, that, you know, it's never really been about me and I've never really wanted it to be about me, which is why I was kind of hesitant to come on the show. Uh, I just don't want people thinking I'm in it for myself because my sole goal is to just create atmosphere at the games and uh, support the players as loudly and passionately as we possibly can. Yeah, I don't think that was ever in doubt. Um, if anything, we wanted you on the show just because it, it seemed very inspirational what you were doing and the support you were getting from people around you, encouraging them to cheer and get behind the boys is very... Oh, I, I was going to say inspirational again, but I can't keep saying that word. I'm, it, it's just very encouraging. Like you said, we get drowned out a lot, even at Metricon Stadium. It always seems like the opposition's voices far outweigh our own. I don't know if that's yeah, a absolutely. thing, but it's it's something that needs to change. And uh, this is a great way to start it. I think we've had people in previous years use a horn and blow a bit of a trumpet, but 
the, yes, drum, yes. the drum makes a lot more noise and uh, it, it's a beat that people can get behind. You've had a, you've been to quite a few games this year. I noticed you were at the Adelaide game and I think yes. you came up to a Gold Coast game a few weeks later. And obviously, being Victorian-based, you, you go to all the Suns games down there as well. Uh, what What's your experiences been with these hostile crowds and that drum? Yeah, so um, I guess, you know, um, in every crowd you do tend to um, get a few heroes. But um, overall, I think that the, you know, support for the drum has been overwhelming. Um you know, we've had um, a bunch of players. Um, so we've had uh, Markov, we've had Will Powell, we've had Isaac Rankin, we've had Noah Anderson all comment on the drum and that they're loving hearing it um, while they're playing out on the field. And, um, yeah, so I think there's definitely support for it and I think that the players do appreciate hearing it, um, you know, because, you know, in Victoria the crowds can get very loud and hostile. Um, but obviously, yeah, the Collingwood game was absolutely fantastic um, in terms of the noise we created and the the Bronx cheer we uh, created at the end of the game too. That was a lot of fun. So, um, and you know, the drum helps you know create uh, the atmosphere. It encourages the fans to you know get out of their seats and lift their voices. And um, yeah, in terms of hostility, though, I would say not a lot to be honest. Um, Although in Adelaide it was quite funny when I took it obviously for the Good Friday game. Um, at the end of the game, I did actually have a toothless Adelaide fan work his way to the front of the um, bay, which is where I was sitting, and he did attempt to steal my drum and snatch it out of my hands. Um, however, the security guard there was absolutely fantastic. Um, he was really looking out for us the entire game and... Uh, yeah, ended up putting that guy in a headlock and marching him up the stairs and he was taken out. So any time there has been trouble per se, it's been, um, yeah, I guess we've been really well looked after. And I think that is because we are a smaller fan base as well. The security guards really do their best to ensure our safety. Um, so, yeah, I think, hope that answers your question. Yeah, it does. We had uh, one of the Adelaide uh, supporters on the show I think it was after that game and he was telling us a lot about uh, it was is Chris I can't remember his last name I'm sorry Chris if you're listening uh, he was telling us about the just the, the hostile crowd that you had to deal with there and how as supporters you all as a group bonded together and sort of teamed up to support each other and they even walked you back to your car to to ensure that you got there safely. Um, I mean, that that must have felt pretty special with a bunch of people that you don't necessarily know extremely well just all getting around you and helping you with, with this cha challenge. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's one thing that I absolutely love about, you know, the Suns fan base, our fan base, is that, you know, and I think that there's that real mateship and camaraderie between us all. And I think largely that is due to the fact that we aren't the biggest fan base and we do have each other's backs. But, um, yeah, they did. They walked me out of the ground and uh, I actually was on my way to the Uber as well and I had a few more issues on the way through there because the park is quite dimly lit. Um, I don't know if you've been to Adelaide Oval, but 
after the game where the stadium is, when you walk maybe 50 metres out of the ground straight through that parkland, it's quite dark. Um, and I did have a few issues on the way to the Uber, but luckily the traffic control uh, people that were on the corner of the cathedral were helpful as well and kind of, yeah, helped me from that point get to my Uber. So, but yeah, no, absolutely, our fans are fantastic. And um, honestly, I'm just loving the growing support for us, especially in Victoria. Um, I really feel like, you know, the, obviously not last year because of COVID, but this year in particular, there's definitely a lot of new faces and, you know, people that are just really passionate about supporting as loud as they can. So it's really making a big difference. And how was the contrast coming up to Queensland and supporting the Suns with the drum at Metricon Stadium? I heard that you they actually tried to take the drum away from you at one point. Yeah, so yeah, funnily enough, uh, the only trouble I've had getting it into games so far this year was at Metricon Stadium, and that was against the Swans this year. Even though I obviously have the AFL approval and club, club approval to use it, um, you know, and it is a shame because all I'm wanting to do is create some atmosphere for the players and the fans at the game, but um, I had some macho bloke in a suit come down and tell me not to use it, um, and then that I must cloak it at the quarter-time break. But luckily enough, you know, common sense prevailed when the club intervened when I reached out to them and they helped me out. So uh, I was able to use it for the rest of the game. So if you guys were wondering why there was no drum in that first quarter against the Swans, that was why. <laughs> so you, you mentioned there you've got AFL and club approval. Was that, uh, is there like an official channel you had to go through to get that? Yes, yeah, so you have to get it through the AFL um, operations uh, unit and then... It actually changed this year to the Integrity and Security Unit. So that's what I had uh, Josh from the club as well help me obtain. So, um, yeah, that, that's the approval process for it. Oh, fantastic. It's good to know that the Suns are actually behind you with that because it would be a yeah, shame absolutely. if they weren't. Um, so how, how have you gone with... The, the regular Suns members you're sitting there with, have you sort of created uh, a, a Sun Screamer uh, section there wherever you guys are sitting each week? Uh, in Victoria? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, <clears throat> the Sun Screamers in Victoria have always been around and Gavin does a fantastic job if you're listening. Gavin, really appreciate you and all you do for the club, mate. Um, so, yeah, Gavin's been a part of it since inception and... Um, yeah, no, we, we have kind of bonded and um, as a group and uh, created, I guess, a real sunscreamers atmosphere, which, um, you know, but that's that's the goal. It doesn't matter if there's 10 of us or 50 of us or 100 of us. All we want to do is just make sure that the players can feel the support because that's what it's all about. That's it. That's it. It's the same sort of level when you look at it in a more simplistic view at club, at local level, you, you get around... The, the other club members and the, the players and family members there have a few drinks, uh, help each other out and, and do what's right. And uh, absolutely you, you yeah. bring it to, to the big level with the, the AFL clubs, um, you know, limited access because of security reasons and other stuff like that. But it's good to know that you're building that, that support group and the the friendships and uh, relationships that come with a, a small football club 
and you're building that up with the Gold Coast Suns. Um, so, what what's your supporting history with the Suns? When did you become a member? How how was that transition? Like, did you follow a team before that? And uh, what what's probably been your favourite moment? Yeah, so I guess ever since the Suns um, came into the competition, I had a soft spot for them and followed them closely. They were uh, my second team. It wasn't till around 2016 to 2017 when I started doing some voluntary work for the club that I decided to solely support them, and that was due to the fact that they gave me membership one year. Then I became invested and decided to keep renewing it each year, and the rest is history, and you know, it's definitely been one of the best decisions I've ever made. You know, I love this club and I'm super passionate about it. Um, and I honestly believe that the best is uh, yet to come for us. Um, in terms of my favourite moment, um, there's probably been a lot over the years. Um, obviously, the iconic win over Port Adelaide to begin it all. But um, most recently, I'd have to say that uh, beating Collingwood at the MCG was just incredible. You know, the passion from the fans behind the goals was honestly a sight to behold. And um, like I touched on before, getting that Gold Coast Bronx cheer started with a few others behind the goals was incredibly memorable. And uh, obviously, you know, hearing it echo throughout the MCG was unreal. And then obviously watching it back um, on TV, because I had a few people messaging me saying, oh, Jared Healy called it out. And then Gary Lyon threw in a comment saying, you know, they've had a really tough time in terms of the Sun supporters and, you know, we deserve to be excited and celebrating such a momentous win, you know. It was our fourth win at the MCG and first time beating Collingwood there. So that was um, quite incredible, to be honest. But um, my favourite player has always been, you know, Alex Sexton. Uh, but right now I'd have to say it's Isaac Rankin and that's purely because he's an excitement machine and has serious X Factor but also because, he, you know, he's such a genuine and down-to-earth bloke, he really cares about the fans. Every time the boys play in Melbourne, he'll, you know, spend about five minutes just talking to me before the game and having a chat. So I really, really appreciate that. And I remember before the Western Bulldogs game, I said to him, if they won, he'd have to give me his jersey. But obviously that didn't come to fruition, unfortunately, because we got pumped. But, um, you know, he just makes you feel appreciated and valued. He's just a champion of the club and you know I love the passion that he has for the club too it's very very evident that he's incredibly invested um, when I flop you know for the Sydney Swans game a few weeks back he was facing the cheer squad and trying to pump everybody up to make noise and then one of the most memorable things I've ever seen a player do in my entire life was after the siren he ran up to the fence and gave these two little boys one of his boots each and uh, one of the little boys just broke down and started crying. And I thought to myself, wow, that's just such an incredible moment for that young lad. You know, he's going to, that's a moment he'll cherish for the rest of his life. And that's honestly how you build culture at a football club. He'll be a son's man through and through. And uh, I think that's largely due to the experience that Isaac's given him. So, yeah, I hope that answers your questions. Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, Isaac Rankin, a fan favourite among many. He also cops a lot of criticism because of, uh, I guess, the over-attention he gets for being such a talented player, but also yeah, the, the gusto he plays with on field. He, he sometimes makes a few mistakes, but 
his enthusiasm and his energy is always there and some might say the way that he tries to get the crowd involved is because he craves the the big crowds and the attention but as you've just said i think it's more evident that he cares about the club so much that he wants to to get people and bring them up with him you know absolutely i couldn't agree more um okay so we're keeping in touch as we're going for the nick holman tribunal which is currently happening um I'll bring updates as they come, if they come while we're on the air, but the way it's going, it's pretty slow. Uh, Lockie Plowman's just been offered a two-game suspension to be upheld. Um, So they're still arguing that, and I believe Holman is... uh, I believe the Marlon Pickett trial is next, and then Holman. So this could be going all night. Um, let's talk about the game versus Geelong. So you were there. It was a very hostile crowd from what we saw on TV and for oh, yeah. first-hand you witnessing it yourself. Gold oh, Coast yeah. Suns went down to Geelong by 34 points, 8 goals, 9.57 to 14 goals, 7.91. Uh, not too bad, 34 points, uh, considering the average losing margin at Geelong is 78 points for the Suns. And we've experienced quite a few floggings there. So 34 points isn't too bad. It even almost looked like the Suns could win that game at one point. They had more scoring shots than Geelong, but were just inaccurate and weren't able to convert uh, until the final quarter when Geelong just uh, took it up another year and ran over the Suns. Uh, Tuke Miller, 30 disposals, 7 clearances at 76% efficiency, uh, 6 score involvements, 15 contested possessions, and 430 metres gained. We certainly lacked him last week against the Lions, and he came out and dominated this game against Geelong as well. He's in great form. Uh, Hugh Greenwood, 18 disposals, 16 tackles, 7 clearances, 48 pressure acts. Uh, something we haven't seen from Greenwood for a while. He seemed to have dropped off the last couple of games, but he's back with his contested footy and 12 contested possessions. Zach Smith entered into the side. We've gone a number of weeks now without a Ruckman. He had 22 hitouts, 8 to advantage, uh, 9 disposals, 88% efficiency, and 1 goal. And Will Powell, 20 disposals, 75% efficiency six marks and 11 intercepts they were the standout players uh is there anything you'd like to add to that jordan oh uh, well yeah i mean honestly <clears throat> i was quite uh proud of the effort we put in we just lacked a bit of polish in some areas but um i think you, you know we walked away uh feeling like they were competitive and that's all we wanted to see like you said we didn't want to see another 78 point flogging um, so and we we didn't get that. So we were quite happy with the effort the players put in, but there was definitely some lapses in certain quarters. I think it might have been the second or third quarter where there just wasn't much going on. We couldn't get the ball forward. Uh, a few kicks in hope, bombing the ball forward, not really thinking about the contest. You know, kicking to uh, two on ones or three on ones and silly stuff like that. But um, Overall, like you said, it was a fantastic result, um, and we definitely um, were happy. You know, it's it's definitely an honourable loss, and I know 
you know, we don't like to throw that word around a lot, but it was an honourable loss this, on this occasion. Yeah. They're a tough team to beat down there. We've never done it. so It was. The pressure rating was fantastic for the Suns, and we all know that's an indicator of how well they're going. Uh, that was up over 200 uh, during the third quarter. Uh, the, the big change with the gameplay this week was the ruck work. We Over the last three weeks without Zach Smith, we averaged 15 hitouts a game, and 5.6 of those were to advantage. This game with Zach Smith, we had 30 hitouts, and 13 of those were to advantage. So it's definitely had an impact, but then if you look a bit closer to it, there wasn't much of a change in the clearance numbers compared to what we've had over the last three weeks. So it brings the question, does, does a Ruckman make a huge difference? Um, do you have any thoughts on this? Um, <clears throat> well, yeah, to be completely honest... Um... Uh, in terms of, you know, Zach Smith's form in the VFL uh, from watching the past few weeks, I wasn't overly impressed, but I will say this. I was impressed with how he went about the game in Geelong, and I feel like um, obviously being an extra long player might have helped him in terms of his positioning and things like that because um, obviously he would have had a lot of experience against Blitzarves and, you know, a few others. So I really do think that... Um, from that regard, it might have made a slight difference um, in terms of whether a Ruckman was a good thing to bring in. Um, but the reality is we can't keep playing games without a Ruckman because, you know, it, it is such a vital part of the game. You know, we want to get that clean ball and the clean clearances, and that's part of it. So, yeah, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, it does. Uh, I think I read an article during the week or last week that it's time for Caleb Graham to go back to working as a defender that's where he plays his best footy and we're probably hampering his development if we keep trying to play him in the ruck. So I see the value there yeah, in Zach Smith. And now that Zach Smith has had a game under his belt, he can only get better. And uh, we'll start to see our, our midfielders learn where to rove to make the most of his uh, when he does get advantage in the ruck. Uh, what didn't work for the game was unfortunately our kicking efficiency. It was at 66% compared to... If you've been a renter, you know it's stressful to find the perfect place. But Zillow Rentals make it easy. They have filters for pretty much everything. So you can find a rental that's big enough for entertaining your friends, but small enough they won't crash all weekend. Find your sweet spot on ZillowRentals.com. And we missed three easy shots at goal in the second quarter alone that could have squared things up at halftime. And uh, we just couldn't get our hands on the ball either. So when we did get the opportunities to, to hurt Geelong, we weren't taking them. Uh, it, it's a, at least we saw the effort compared to the week before, but it's certainly something the Suns need to pick up on is their kicking efficiency. Um, and besides that, I, I don't have anything else negative to or critis, critical to say. Do you have anything critical to point out regarding that game? Um, not really, no. to be completely honest. I think the only negative was, uh, you know, the behaviour of the Geelong fans towards us. But um, yeah, so how, you know. how, what happened there? You guys, obviously, everyone knows Geelong is a pretty hostile environment for away teams. Oh yeah. 
absolutely hostile. On on the TV footage, it didn't look like there was uh, too many Suns fans around you. So it seemed like there was only a handful of you guys there and they certainly let you guys know about it. Oh, absolutely. We would have been lucky to maybe have um, 20 fans all up behind the goals. But, um, you know, to our credit, we, you know, kept supporting loud and proud, even though, you know, we're being heckled and abused and, you know, spat on. And um, I guess the thing that hurt the most was seeing a mother and child, well, the child was in tears and they had to actually leave the game because they were being harassed that badly by their fans. And I honestly think the issue is that their fans think they're inferior and can't comprehend the fact that, you know, there are other fans from other teams who are supporting their club in their stadium. So, you know, and I think it's could be that sense of entitlement that they've got their own stadium and whatnot, but sheesh, I tell you what, um, it's definitely not a pleasant experience to, and or an enjoyable experience to watch football at GMHBA. And um, unfortunately, there's actually a wide number of Suns fans who refuse to go to that stadium because of bad experiences they've had. But we can't, you know, let those experiences, um, I guess, deter us from going to the footy and supporting our team because we have every right to be there. Um, And it's just a shame that people are that put off um, going to the football there. So, yeah, no, we definitely weren't impressed. And it was, we made the best of it, though. That's the thing. We made the best of it. Yeah, it's a shame that poor behaviour is uh, around at football games. It's been stamped out, I think, quite a bit up here at Metricon. It used to oh, used to be pretty nasty, but uh, pretty pretty much over you know, the last ten years, people pretty quickly learned, you know, what is antisocial behaviour, and you know they need to be respectful of others. It's a shame uh, some of the uh, smaller venues around Australia can't can't learn from that. Um, but uh, the players still have to go there, unfortunately. So unless it's a yeah. final, because we know all know Geelong would never play a home final. Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that's my little dig. Uh, let's move on. So the, another article I read during the week was the. It's time to to see the Suns sort of change the way they attack things this season with. The finals being a very unlikely scenario now. Uh, what can the Suns do to change and learn for 2022? We've seen Jai Farah come in and play a rebounding defender and be really uh, intuitive and useful down back when he was originally a forward. What about changes like uh, Lukosius to centre-half forward where he was recruited initially or... Maybe move Rankin and Ainsworth uh, into the midfield for more minutes in there to get them involved in the games because that's one of the criticisms with those two players is they don't get enough possession or have enough impact in the games. Uh, yeah. What do you think about those ones? And are there any other position changes or strategies the Suns could do to change things up and improve? Yeah, so Lukosius to centre-half forward... Um... I honestly believe he plays his best footy down back. And I think that, you know, his polish with the ball would be sorely, sorely missed if we did move him forward. Um, I know in the past couple of weeks they did try moving him forward. And I think that obviously his impact on the game just wasn't as good. So I, I like him down back, I do. But I guess at the end of the day as well, is it, it, it should be where he's wanting to play his football too, where he thinks he's most impactful too. 
So I hope that um, the coaching staff are getting his input on that one. In terms of Rankin um, and Ainsworth into the midfield, I think Ainsworth 100% should be definitely getting more midfield minutes. I'm not sure what his tank's like to run out a game in the midfield, though, but he's obviously quite a solid big boy, so I think he'd definitely uh, do quite well in there. Um, Rankin, yeah, quite possibly. He's, he's got the pace. He's got the speed. Um, he's able to break tackles, so I think that it's definitely worth having a go. I mean, there's not many... Um, well, there are there are a lot of positions that are obviously set, but I think there are some where you can kind of move the magnets around the board and see what's going to work and what's not going to work. Yeah, I I think I I agree with you on the sorry I don't agree with you on the Lacocious thing at half back. I think yes, he's very valuable for the Suns down there, but I think we've got enough talent and enough. Uh, options out of the back line that we could utilise Lacocious further up the ground. Uh, our current back six is doing quite well. Uh, Jai Farah uh, is to come back into the side. Uh, Jack Bowes is to come back into that side. They will play defence. Uh, we've got yeah. Con- Connor Butterick that will come back in there next year after he recovers from his ACL. Um, and another player that we've all been wondering about and I feel like he's only just starting to hit his straps is Jez McLennan. So the Suns went down to Southport on the weekend in the VFL, but Jez was one of the shining lights in that game. He had 21 disposals, nine marks and was dominant in defense, getting the ball out, uh, doing his job defending, but also finding options to, to get the ball intercept and get out of that back line. So if we get Jez McLennan in there, that's another option. Um, and then you can also move players like Lockie Weller or even maybe Jeremy Sharp if we can uh, train him to be a bit more defensive. And then you've got Brandon Ellis and Rory Atkins that could both play off halfback. There is just a lot of options in that back line and the halfback line that we don't need to use Lacocious down there. And I think if Lacocious was to provide a target, maybe get a bit of meat on the bones, he could certainly be a lead-up centre-half forward and use his kicking skills to King's advantage. Yeah, no, absolutely. That There's some good points you make. Um, I've noticed with Lacocious, I think he, he is such a versatile and fantastic player. But with watching him, the one thing I've noticed he struggles with is his goal kicking and his accuracy with that. So if he, you know, if he could work on that, I think he'd definitely be dangerous up forward. Um, but you're right, though, his pinpoint precision and you know his his field kicking is just sensational. Definitely the best in the game. Yeah, if he could use that more to assist players like Ben King, uh, be able to to get more marks because. Uh, let's face it, King's uh, getting double teamed these days with being the only dominant yes. forward down there. Uh, and shout out to Ben King as well. If you're listening, jump on the AFL website and look for the goal of the year option because Ben King is nominated for goal of the year this week with his uh, terrific kick over the top of his head. So one of those goals that you used to try a lot when you were a kid, just try and be clever and kick the ball over your head. Uh, he managed to do it successfully in a elite-level game. Uh, that was unreal to see live. It was. Unreal. Yeah. Uh, the other co- question we've got about the game is, 
is posed by Jared Healy during the commentary for the Geelong game. He said that the Suns need four to five 200-plus game experienced players. Now, do you feel this is the case? Personally, I think four to five games is a bit. Uh, four to five players is a bit too much. I feel like we've got a lot of uh, talent in there, especially young talent and enough players are searching for opportunities in that side we don't want to just be giving giving uh games to senior players from other clubs um it's not like we're going to be able to get people the quality of say a um uh like a, a zach Merritt or someone like that to to fill those voids like we'd be looking at lower quality players uh, and they'd really only be there to set leadership standards and training standards, which is kind of what we've had over the last few years with uh, George Holland-Smith and Jordan Murdoch. Uh, do, do you feel like we do need that level of player, the, the four to five 200-plus game experienced players, or we just need a, a few more experienced senior heads in that 22? Yeah, well, I think what you have to look at is... Um why is there the need for that potentially, you know, that Jared Healy is saying, why do we need, you know, the four to five 200-game players? I mean, personally, I don't think we need that many. I feel like maybe three, two to three would be a sweet spot. But you've got to also look at why we would be wanting to bring in those players because like you touched on, we don't want to stunt the growth of our kids. We want to make sure we're still, you know, investing in them and they're getting every chance to grow their game and their skills and, you know, be contributors for the team. But then you've also got to look at, well, you know, the, the leadership. And I think, you know, outside of potentially Swallow and Miller, there's there's not a lot of leadership out there at the moment. And I think that's potentially why uh, Jared Healy may, may have made that comment. But then also you've got to look at the salary cap as well. You know, who can we actually afford to bring in who's going to be at that 200-game mark and actually contribute to the team. Because like you said, you know, the George Hall and Smiths and the Jordan Murdochs and the Michael Barlows and those types of players, we if we're bringing these players in, we want to make sure that they're going to be active contributors and they're going to be an asset to the team. That That's the key thing. And, you know, for example, I'll touch on um, the forward line as well. You know, Ben King, I think, you know, he's obviously one of the greatest uh, young forwards in the game at the moment. There's no question about that. But he does need some support. Um, he needs another big tall that can kind of shoulder the load, like he said, to prevent the double teaming and things like that. But then it's like, well, who do you actually bring in who's going to be a genuine decent forward um, for us? And I've seen you know, names like Wiedemann being thrown around and things like that. Um, but yeah, I guess we've we got to look at what the op, what the options long term are going to be, and what they're going to be good um, for as well. Because I mean, it's it's hard to find a 200 game player as well that's still hitting their straps and they haven't hit that peak um, elite form, and then they're kind of downsliding for the rest of their career. You want to try and make sure we're getting someone that's kind of just transcending up to that uh, elite status and we're going to ensure that we get the best football out of them as a player. And then also you've got to look at what players realistically can we entice to come up to the Gold Coast. 
Yeah, I mean, the level of player we know the club's been chasing but haven't been able to land over the last year or two has been players like Josh Kennedy uh, from West Coast, you know, a, an experienced key forward that's maybe got a year or two left. Uh, I mean, that would be a perfect foil for Ben King. Oh, but, absolutely. But you, you, you get someone of his calibre in, or I even saw, um, not recently, but earlier in the year, someone saying Buddy Franklin. I mean, look, he kicked five goals against uh, Frio on the weekend. He's still able to, you know, contribute. So there's definitely some interesting veterans that could uh, fill that void for sure. And that that's really what they'd be looking at because they don't want to take away games from from this youth this young side they don't want to put anyone offside because realistically if we are expected to bring in someone who's a a veteran 28 plus years old you know if they're going to be best 22 they're going to be on some decent coin to relocate up to the gold coast which means we're probably going to have to get rid of one of our our young stars because we wouldn't be able to afford them or even worse we'd have to trade for that player and uh, yeah, the, the other side is going to want something of quality. You know, if you if you want something good, you've got to give up something good these days. Um, so I think the the four to five is too extreme. I think the Suns have the right mix. We are going to lose a few veterans at the end of this year. We expect Jared Harbrow will hang up the boots and retire, and then we've also got Jordan Murdoch sitting there. And there is another player that isn't coming to mind but yeah we've got a couple of uh, senior players it's probably going to be retired or delisted at the end of the year so there is definitely room to get some lower quality uh, 200 plus experienced game players there mainly to help with the VFL and development Um, I think there's still room for one or two experienced best 22 players if we can find them and they'd have to be the right fit. Like we said, a key forward or someone down forward to help Ben King develop and help our forwards with their leading patterns. And I'd say the only other position you'd really want to consider would be someone off half-back, kind of like what Luke Hodge was for Brisbane, someone to help control the play, help set up defensively. Mind you, I think we've got enough talent down there doing that with Sam Collins and uh, Jack Bowes all providing leadership down there. Um, All right, we've only got a few minutes left and we haven't had anything come through regarding the Nick Holman trial. So let's just talk about that, what's going on there. Um, It was a bit ridiculous, really, wasn't it? The tackle on... Uh, Mitch Duncan didn't really seem out of the ordinary. It was a pretty basic tackle from viewing it on TV, and I'm sure it would have looked the same live. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I thought it was a very well-executed tackle. I was honestly shocked to see the two-match offering. I thought, you know, the world's gone mad. Um, What's wrong with Michael Christian and the tribunal and the, I mean, honestly, the umpiring, we won't touch on that, but honestly, it was well executed. I thought it was a perfect, you know, rundown tackle. Um, when you actually looked at Nick Coleman's positioning too, his face was pressed into Mitch Duncan's side and he was looking the other way as he tackled him and drove him into the ground. So he, there's no way you can say it was malicious when 
he wasn't even looking where Mitch Duncan's head was going. All he was focused on was stripping him of possession and winning that free kick. So I, I can't understand why um, that's worthy of two weeks. I mean, I understand, obviously, Mitch Duncan couldn't play out the game and was concussed as a result, but um, totally accidental. And, you know, if, if it was a malicious intent, fair enough, but I just didn't see it. Yeah, there's certainly, even in slow motion, there doesn't really look to be any sort of malicious intent to drive extra force onto Mitch Duncan. It's just an unfortunate accident. Um, yeah, I'm sure Mitch Duncan will be fine, but he you know, he has to go through the concussion protocols. And, you know, it's, it's something that we're very mindful of, uh, head-high contact and protecting the head. Uh, we all know what sort of problems that can cause for the body but um yeah it, it's quite baffling why it was even yeah sent to the trope why it was even offered a ban to begin with and the sons did the right thing to challenge it and go to the tribunal um the picket marlon picket trial is still going underway so it still looks like nick holman's trial is going to come probably in another 20 to 30 minutes so well after this show, but stay tuned to the GC Sunscast social media for any update on that. But um, yeah, it, it's just baffling that Michael Christian offered that. And if if the worst case scenario happens and he the ban is upheld, I think that's going to raise more doubts and questions about the game of football than, than anything because people will be wondering what what exactly is this sport that they they love like it's no longer the same thing absolutely and i guess the dangerous thing is it sets that precedent too you know it does players aren't going to want to tackle if uh, there's a risk that that they can um you know tackling will end up just be grabbing and holding onto the person standing still there's not gonna gonna be no force involved no bringing the player to ground um there's just going to be no pressure in the game uh, anyway, let's move on. Only a couple of minutes left, uh, and we'll quickly discuss the game next week against Hawthorne. It's Sir Doug Nichols' Indigenous round, and the Suns are taking on Hawthorne 7:40 p.m. At, on Saturday at TIO Stadium, which is in Darwin. And um, it's going to be a wet, slippery game. We expect after history. And uh, let's just hope the Suns put in a better effort than what they did this time last year against Carlton. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's uh, certainly, you know, a winnable game, um, you know, given Hawthorne's recent uh, form. But, you know, I'd love to just quickly say I'd love to see Joel Jeffrey uh, make his debut up there. Be quite memorable for him to debut up there as well. Um and also a shout-out to his family who came and had a photo with us behind the goals in Geelong. Yeah, so Joel Jeffrey, a Darwin product uh, picked up in the academy with the concessions, has been a shining light in the VFL side. He's been full of energy, full of X-factor, kicked a couple of goals the other week, and he, he could be anything. Um, it would be great to see him debut. Uh, in a home home game for him and also provide a lot of highlights hopefully for the, the Suns we haven't really had a great debut for the Suns since maybe Isaac Rankin last year um, 
The other player that we hope to see back into the side is maybe Malcolm Roses Jr., another Darwin product. So bringing in a lot of speed and X-Factor seems like the way to go up in Darwin. And if we're going to have to pull players out in that case, we could be seeing uh, Caleb Graham or Chris Burgess make way. It depends who they decide is going to be the, the backup ruckman. Uh, another player that we expect to come back in is Jai Farah. He missed the game with a corky to his quad, but is expected to return in the back line. So it should be full of Indigenous boys to help support Sir Doug Nichols' round. All right, uh, Jordan, thank you very much for joining me, but that is all the time we've got for today. Uh, no worries, Shane. Thank you so much for having me, mate. I've really enjoyed it. No worries. I'd love to have you back on the show, but we'll figure out the schematics another time. Uh, until next time, go Suns. How did we become Central Ohio's most trusted team of orthopedic experts? We focus on what matters most, our patients. At Orthopedic One, we know we're only at our best when we're helping you get better. And every day, your commitment to overcoming pain and injury inspires and moves us. That's why we bring our best every day to earn your trust. Find a physician near you at orthopedicone.com. Gym sessions and sweaty summer activities are back, which means more funky smells in your clothes because sweat leaves behind bacteria that causes those hard-to-remove odors. Clorox Fabric Sanitizer products are ready to zap the stink out of fabrics in your home by getting rid of 99.9% of odor-causing bacteria. Eliminate odors in every load or sanitize fabrics between washes with one of our Fabric Sanitizer products. Search Fabric Sanitizer at Clorox.com to learn more. When it counts, trust Clorox. Use as directed.